Welcome back to The Hum and the Holler, the podcast that accompanies the images and spells of our 2021 calendar. This is the podcast where we've been telling you all year that the calendar is a riddle, and maybe you're tuning in for some end-of-year satisfying solutions. But if you're thinking that you know what a riddle is uh, and or how to crack it, you may be on a separate railroad track that could be diverging from ours right about now. So come on board our train for a little bit. We welcome you wholeheartedly on a maybe less predictable journey. We are are the train of less predictable journeys. Mm -hmm. Next stop, we'll figure it out. Next stop, we'll figure it out. We do hope you're comfortable. Yes, and we're so glad you're on board with us. We are Abacus Corvus. I'm Karina. I am living on Lenny Lenape land, also known as Philadelphia. I'm Joe. I'm nestled in the hills of Madison County in western North Carolina on stolen Cherokee land. And this is our 10th episode. Before we go on, sending our big, big love to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much. We love y'all. In addition to this podcast... We also offer a look into the astrology of each month from new moon to new moon. That one's called The Hum, and it drops right before the new moon on each month. There's one up right now for the October 6th new moon, and the next one will be showing up uh, right before November 4th. Let's call that November 3rd. As mentioned, this calendar is a riddle. And as we get later into the year, we have more and more to say about this riddle. So, Joe, do you want to catch us up on where we're at right now? Yes, I do. Uh, Yeah, we're going to read all the words aloud up until uh, where we are here in the 10th month. A hush holds the hum and the holler. Worlds within worlds hover here briefly. Gravity's lullaby. Sing the evening Turning the certainty, grace follows awkward. Gather the needful, unreal, and all real. I don't know if you heard them and how I was just saying that, but there's kind of, I think we talked about this in previous months, there's a bit of a pause after grace follows awkward. We have have these like, stringing along not total sentences, right? Gravity's lullaby, sing the evening, turning the certainty, and then grace follows awkward is a sentence that ends the kind of middle portion of the riddle. And here we have gather the needful, unreal, and all real. So we're at the beginning of the final phrase of the riddle. And gather the needful was all about... um, resourcing, right, about abundance, about kind of, not necessarily just material, but it, but it does sort of have a sense of like getting your physical and material needs met. And then we go right from that to unreal and all real. So we're transitioning from the material to the mystical. One thing that strikes me hearing you read the whole passage together is while we've been prepping for this podcast, you and I have been talking about unreal and all real as its own spell, which we will get into. But hearing it right after Gather the Needful reminds me that they're a pair. Mm -hmm. And also, the sentence starts to read as gather what you need that is both real and unreal. Mm -hmm. You need both of these in your basket. Mm -hmm. 
Right, as though unreal and all real is qualifying the needful. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. What sorts of needful? Oh, you know, the real the unreal, and the unreal. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, that feels just right. I'm imagining going to a grocery store and <laughs> looking at the aisles and being like, okay, what do I need from the aisle of the real? And what am I missing from the aisle of the unreal? Do I have enough of those? I was just imagining going to a grocery store and the only thing you have on your list is unreal, all real. <laughs> oh, that would make it so much simpler. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, shall we move into the image? Karina, would you take us through a story time around the image itself and tell us what you see? I would love to. Wonderful. So for those of you who have calendars at home, feel free to look at them while I'm describing the image, unless that feels like overkill and you don't need to have an image described to you while you're looking at it, in which case you can close your eyes, you can look at traffic if you're driving, <laughs> don't, don't close your eyes if you're doing something you need to be paying attention to, but uh, just listen along. So what we see in this image is a gigantic raven, really front and center. This raven has its back to us, but face turned, so we see the profile, and is perched on the end of what looks like a kind of grizzled branch that is perhaps from a dead limb on a tree. And underneath the promontory of this branch is a tiny round nest, all kinds of twigs kind of curling around and woven into a bit of a basket with some soft fluff and three bright turquoise little eggs in the nest. Behind this scene, the sky is doing some wild things. It is a little bit lavender, a little bit pink, and it is presenting us with a fully circular rainbow that begins sort of through the heart of the raven, through kind of the shoulder wing area, and circles down to the tip of the nest. And within this circular rainbow are the words, very faint, unreal, and all real. And when you see this, your eye really is drawn to the darkness and the precision of the crow's profile first, and then moves down to the bright eggs, and then kind of moves around the roundness of the basket and the roundness of the rainbow. So the rainbow, while it's very central in this image, because it's pale, and because other pieces of the painting are more uh, richly developed, the rainbow fades a bit into the background. It's, It's sort of what you see when you're done looking at the other things. And Joe, you know, as I'm describing this, for the first time I'm understanding the logic of how we made this. You know, I don't, none of this is conscious while we're making the art. But looking at this, I'm like, oh, right, of course. There is the part of the painting that is rendered quite realistically. And then there is the part that is rendered in a less real, washy, painterly style, Mm -hmm. which is the rainbow. And I'm appreciating that after talking about Um, making fluff and then moving fluff around. I'm also just realizing that here we are demonstrating where the fluff has gone. 
that we actually have fluff in a nest and the one right afterwards is very satisfying. Joe, the, the animals in our calendar are smarter than we are. That's right. That's right. I, I didn't catch that either. It's very satisfying. It is. So what does this all mean, my friend? Ooh, let's find out. Shall we start to unpack it? Yes. We mentioned earlier that this is a spell that moves us from the material to the mystical. And this is where we get into some otherworldly shit. You, my friends, listening to us, might have a variety of spiritual beliefs or unbeliefs. We invite you to just listen in to what gets pulled up for us when we think about the otherworldly. And Joe, when we were planning this, as sort of an aside, I think, you were telling me about this wild dream you had once. And to me, that dream is really the heart of what this spell is is doing. So I want to invite you to just tell tell everyone. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's like, it's at the heart of it. And at the, or at the very least, it is like the portal door opening to it. Uh, this is a dream that I had almost 15 years ago. It was just after moving down here from Vermont and I was living in Weaverville in this house with vinyl siding. And, uh, I had a dream where a good friend of mine walked into the living room and she had a black hole on her inner forearm. And I was like, oh my God, Frank, what's happening on your arm? She's like, oh, it's a black hole. I caught it from your basement. You know, there's a big black hole in your basement. I was like, oh shit, really? So I went down into the basement and she was right. There was, there was like a, like a, um, what size is that? like maybe like a two to three foot diameter black hole circle on the side of the wall in the basement. And I was staring at it and it had that kind of like darkness where it was like so black and dark. It's almost like your eyes start creating swirlies inside of it. It was just so dark. And I was maybe going to get a little lost in there. And then I heard behind me, a little, little like attention getting. And I turned around and there was a raccoon there was a raccoon standing about on level with the black hole, about three feet up on a concrete platform. And it just went right in. It was like, so there are more colors in this world than you have ever seen that you could even imagine. And the ones that you have are really lovely, but can you imagine right now with me that there's actually more colors than you've ever conceived of? And because you're dreaming, maybe we could go look at them together. I was like, sure. I don't even know if I consented or if that was an important part of the dream because all of a sudden we were walking in this world and it looked a lot like our world. But I can't, you know, I don't have the words to explain to you all the colors that I saw. They were everywhere. They were beyond what we know. And and there was a feeling that I had kind of with this raccoon companion. I was like, oh. And the raccoon said, yeah, this is what it's really like in our world. I was like, oh. And another thing the raccoon said was that you have to understand that related to this colorful world is the fact that inside every single particle and essence of everything that you have ever known, come in contact with, or been made out of is a little piece of alien matter. Like everything is a little bit alien. 
that was really, that was the, that was the download from our little raccoon friend. I love that so much. I want to just stop recording right now and give it to everyone and say, here you go. Here you go. Have we Here's explained October. this for you? Exactly. We've explained this. Carry on. <laughs> One thing that I was noticing as you were talking that I didn't put together when you were telling me the stream before is when we're looking at the painting, I spoke a little bit about how, you know, the, the raven looks a little more real than the rainbow. But when you were talking about all of the colors that we could never see, I started thinking about the empty spaces in the painting and what they mm -hmm. might be full of. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, that's what this spell is. That's this, it. The rainbow is just a container for the things that we can't see inside of it. Mm -hmm. A container and a clue. There's something yeah. about rainbows in general that are kind of a clue. Like, what the fuck are they? You know, we have scientific understandings. We have scientific things like angles, refraction, some sort of, some sort of smooth cellular surface, right? Like when all of the cloud water droplets are in the right formation at just the right time, they refract this thing that's like our visible spectrum of life. But like visible spectrum of life. There we go. That's... <laughs> That's my, that's uh -huh. the name of my book. Um, I thought that would be on your business card. The, I, I represent the visible spectrum of life. Exactly. Um, but y'all like, it's just the visible spectrum. We know this, you know, like if you guys have watched <laughs> recent David Attenborough movies, he's tripping out on like this crazy technology that I bet he's so stoked to have, like, he's still alive and gets to like watch movies of, um, of what bugs see, of what birds see, of what moths see. These like they are actually looking at a flower and seeing these like ultraviolet radiation, like wah 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 landing pad stuff. And we're that's just like, oh, that's a pretty like. flower. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when I think about what we're doing with a spell like this. The main thing that I think of, I keep coming back to that grocery store basket where we're putting in the real and the unreal into the basket. And I'm thinking about how necessary it is to include the unknown, to include the mystery, to make room for it, particularly if you are feeling anxious because fear drives us to really want to lock down truth. This is, this is the story that is true. No other stories can be true because I need this one. This is the only thing I need. And in that arrangement, you are leaving out much of the needful, which is room to be <laughs> amazed, confused, inspired, tripped out on, <laughs> all of the rest of this. When we look at the spell this way, it's really inviting us to release a kind of dogmatism around there only needing to be one truth, one narrative, one perspective that we feel safe within and inviting us to, you know, I look at that raven and I think about protection. I think about mm -hmm. this powerful bird protecting that nest and those tiny little eggs and also how the bird is not in a protective posture. The birds looking elsewhere, mm -hmm. just kind of hanging out. 
that, that there's a spaciousness around, I don't have to hold so tightly onto mm-hmm. um, the things that are precious to me. There's room for me to look elsewhere as well mm-hmm. and add disparate, strange, mysterious, unresolved threads into the narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the known and the unknown. Like you can have your finger on the pulse of that which is familiar and known. You know your job. You know the, your roles. You're, you've got to nest. You've got to eat. You got to do all of those things. And then um, also, uh, you know, keeping keeping some part of your sensory existence open to or tapped into what you don't know, what, what may not be clearly visible (laughs) or palpable or discernible. We, I mean, we can say this all day long about, I mean, essentially holding a paradox, right? Holding a paradox, not just in our mind, but actually in experience. Like how do we go about, how do you go about holding the real and the unreal in your grocery basket at the same time? Right. (laughs) (laughs) like they're going to negate each other. You're like, I used to have a grocery basket. There's a black hole here now. Totally, totally. But, but is it actually (laughs) the other way around? Is it that they lend to each other, that they, that they enlarge in reality rather than negate it? Enlarge They're in beginning. (laughs) Do they in in our reality or do they negate it? That is, that is the real question. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I'm thinking about, the message that you got in your dream mm-hmm. where the raccoon reminded you that in everything familiar, there is also something alien, that there's a little bit of what is alien in all of the common things. And so when I think about holding the real and the unreal together, I'm thinking not about a polarity or an opposition in which you put them both in one basket, they're going to fight it out. I'm thinking instead of a mesh, a weave a structure in which threads of the real are interwoven with threads of the unreal Mm -hmm. and it's like one of those fabrics where you look at it one way and it's one color you look at another way it's another color Mm -hmm. only you multiply that by like exponential infinity of possible colors Mm -hmm. and dimensions right you don't even just have like one and dimensions (laughs) right (laughs) yeah Uh uh-huh so I'm thinking about something that a not beloved author uh, of mine. I don't even know if I want to say his name. An unbeloved author. Let's not name him. I had a teacher in graduate school who thought that he was like super fancy for making us read philosophy in our class about therapy. And um, anyway, so in that we were talking about parts and holes and maybe you know who I'm talking about already, but like this idea that Um, every single thing, right? Same way that the alien was like every single thing, whatever it is, at whatever scale you're addressing it is part alien, right? He's saying Mm -hmm. every single thing at at whatever scale you're addressing it is both a whole made up of parts and a part of a greater whole. And um, one of the things I really struggle with and kind of have a lot of friction with, with this author is just like how do you how do you write about something that that within what you're writing about holds the reality that you have no idea what this universe is made out of and yet you are going to write about it with an absolutely unchallengeable clarity like this is true right so he's 
It's like, mm-hmm. it's even saying like, like we could be saying like, there is not just one truth, but is that our just one truth? You know, like, <laughs> exactly. And, and so I think a lot of this has to do with getting out of the, the verbal plane, getting out of the lingual plane, getting out of the parts of our minds that cannot help but try to find a discernible, reliable structure for things. Like we could say, does this spell suggest to us, like do, does the paradox within our life suggest to us that we are parts, we are just parts of a greater whole that we cannot discern? If so, isn't it really just... Does, it doesn't even just knowing that or deciding that it doesn't get us anywhere else. Like, I think that's the key right there. Yeah. If we understand belief systems, religions, philosophies, personal values, principles, this is what I think is true. This is how I act on these truths. If we understand all of these as being in some way inaccurate guides towards reality which is always somewhat stranger and less knowable than the stories Mm -hmm. and the language that we have for it Mm -hmm. then a spell like this is a reminder that we don't abandon all of those philosophies spiritual beliefs uh we don't we don't abandon what's useful about Mm -hmm. moving toward something with certainty but we are always holding room for the uncertainty mm-hmm. and we're always holding room to be surprised mm-hmm. and to need to add more nuance, more questions, more complexity to what we hold. Mm-hmm. And ideally what this does for us as, as human beings in a body with a nervous system is remind us that we don't have to stay trapped in the amygdala place of certainty mm-hmm. and that we can flow a little bit more through our entire nervous system mm. and be a little bit more curious about what else could be true. It, it also just, it's, I, I don't want to be too corny here, but it's like, I mean, this is the punchline. Like <laughs> the punchline of our year long riddle. Well, I mean, yes. And I mean, like, I don't, I'm just trying really hard to not have the words cosmic joke come out of my mouth, but they just did. <laughs> Um, they just did. They just did. But but really, like, what that which is fundamentally irreconcilable is, is at the same time what we swallow every day. Like, we're clearly okay with it. We're in it all the time, you know? And I don't even know if that's quite it. It's like, I keep thinking about the last scene in Siddhartha, that Hesse book, you know? Do you remember? I don't, I don't think I ever finished it. Oh, I think I just read it for the last page. I mean, the last page is like him. (laughs) It's like Siddhartha after like having tried literally everything like enlightenment, debauchery, whatever, having a family. I mean, he's like done it all in search of truth. And I think the last page is him just sitting with this ancient dude looking at a river and laughing. That sounds right. That's the thing. That's what I mean by the punchline. Right. Is like the whole story is there. There was no path that was revealed. Mm. There was no way that was revealed. And yet there is this lived experience of immersion with the world, of perceiving the world as you are in that moment and letting it be funny 
you know, like something that could be a tragedy. It really could be a tragedy, but it's funny, mm. you know, and, and it's both. I don't mean to, I don't mean to make light of the suffering that comes from this irreconcilability. Well, I think right? one but, thing that's useful about a spell like this is that, it, is that it can never be a command to someone else. You ought to make your tragedies right. funny. You ought to change your perception. And we live in a world where people never. do get that message constantly that we need to self-improve ourselves out of having powerful, painful feelings. So, you know, mm-hmm. remember that. Yeah. But I think what you're saying is if we consider this to be a spell about perception and about reality, that fundamentally we are participating in the making of our realities as we perceive them. And there's, That's yeah, there's it. some ways in which we can dance with that. And there are some ways in, in which elements of it will be out of our yeah. hands. It's yeah, both, both, right? Like we are participating. It's that co-authoring, mm-hmm. a co-authoring. We never get full, full cred, <laughs> full power. Yep. <laughs> I think we've come as close as we can to figuring this one out. Mm-hmm. The rest just has to be, you know, lived, lived and, yeah. and tried out. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Before we get into the ritual this month, I just want to tell a story about a friend of mine once who tried some sort of back alley hypnotist in order to help him quit smoking. And the hypnotist asked, what does cigarette smoking give you? What, what pleasant sensation does it give you? And my friend said, you know, it just, it takes the edge off of reality. It like helps me be in a buffered, softer space somehow. And the hypnotist, uh, created some sort of hypnotic suggestion that when my friend smoked a cigarette, reality would become more real for him. And from then on, he wasn't able to quit smoking, but when he did, it bummed him out so much. (laughs) He would smoke a cigarette and be like, oh no, even more reality. So (laughs) yeah, Um, this is the story he told me, right? I, I'm just repeating it as I heard it, but it's a useful story, Mm -hmm. I think, because sometimes when we think about reality, we think of something that is absent of magic, um, where Mm. there is like reality is just the heaviness and just the hardness and anything that is soft or dreamy or sparkly is somehow false or overlaid on this Mm. hard leaden nugget of reality. Mm. So... Mm -hmm. As we do the ritual this month, I, I and my sister <laughs> invite you to tap into a different understanding of what is real, in which when you are going deep into perception of the real, as you kind of find a devotional, concentrated, meditative state toward what is real, in it you are also finding the edges of where the real bleeds into the unreal, where they permeate each other, where there is a beautiful flow and interconnection. And ideally, this brings some magic back into the real. That when you look at the real long enough, you see the magic of the real and don't discard that as, oh, that's just unreal. Mm -hmm. So... For this ritual, 
I invite you to begin just checking in somatically, making sure that you are, you know, feeling like limber and relaxed enough in your mind and being that you can take some breaths and take some time to be with something that you would like to consider with your eyes, something visual that you don't mind looking at for a while. And as we start going more deeply into sight and perception, I also want to give a nod that there are many ways of getting to this state and you might have your favorite one, but this is our way in right now. So begin to relax and drop your shoulders and let your breath get slow and even. And if you're not out seeking something particularly beautiful you want to be looking at, you can just look at anything in your room that you like to have your eyes fall on. Something with good colors or textures, something with interesting folds or carvings, anything shiny, luminous, whatever your eye likes to look at in this moment. And as you look, I want you to look more deeply and to start to ask yourself, what am I really seeing? What are the colors that are within the colors that I see? What are the textures that I might have overlooked when I first began to look at this because they weren't the strongest? Where do I find the subtle shapes, textures, colors, how do I start to see the fullness of what's before me in the exact way the light is falling on it? If you have any artistic training, you might recognize this as one of those preliminary exercises to help you see more clearly as you are drawing something, as you are mixing paints. I had a teacher once who was instructing us in a course on Renaissance techniques and oil painting and for an entire six hour class, she had us just look at the model for the first three hours. And we were allowed to make tiny little marks on our paper, just as landmarks. Here's the edge of a shoulder. Here's where a particularly dark shadow might fall. But it was hours and hours of looking first. So I invite you to take as much time as you can spare for this ritual to just keep looking and keep looking at the object, the pattern, the site that you've chosen and to let it keep revealing itself to you until what you initially thought was real, which is often just our concept of what's real because our brain tricks us and doesn't want us to spend a lot of extra energy really perceiving. So if I'm looking at a couch or a chair, my brain tells me, that's a couch, you don't need to pay any further attention, we know what a couch looks like. And the brain actually fills in a lot of the details. And so it's not until you start looking at something with the understanding that this thing might be strange to you, that you might not know it all. It isn't until you make that shift that your brain gets on board and is like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll give you the, the energy to do this kind of perception. So that's what we're doing here right now and bringing in more and more and more of the real. And then if you want to go a little further with this, my sister's going to take you there. Right, Karina's talking about a movement from 
the concept of real that we have in our minds, which might actually be a version of the unreal and uh, a process of looking that, that brings you more from the unreal of, of your ideas into the actual real of the, of the physicality of the, um, the form and components and ingredients of what you're looking at. And if you want to go even wider, even deeper, even softer around those edges, as you're staring at whatever you're staring at, over time, it might feel like a natural thing to do where, um, where you start to actually widen your gaze so that you're aware of the object, but you're also kind of aware of your periphery and your focal point starts to soften and include kind of the world around the object. And with a softness to your gaze, that might translate into a kind of melting feeling inside your body where a, a kind of softness that spreads throughout your body. And the next step of this meditation would be an, an openness. Just to, You're not trying to do anything. You're just allowing for an openness where that inner softness and inner melting might also start to translate itself onto the world that you're seeing. So that as you're looking at what is real, what is here in your vision, you might also start opening up to um, softening the edges around what is visible into what is with you, what is present, what is inside the object, everything that's, that's a component of your visual reality that you can't immediately see, right? What, are, what else is here? What's in the air? What's inside the object? What's inside your body? Can you, can you be so focused on what you see that eventually that takes you through into an even bigger world of what you can't see but can feel? And with that... We are wrapping up episode 10 of The Hum and the Holler. Thank you for coming along. We love to do this. We love that you're listening. And uh, if you want to follow us on Instagram, you're welcome to, at Abacus Corvus. Sometimes we have weekly sales. These days we are just trying to keep up with holiday orders. So the, the reminder there is that we have a bunch of 2022 calendars that we would love to get to you. So feel free to find us on our website as well at abacuscorvus.com. And there's a link there to shop that will take you to our Etsy site. And if you're enjoying this podcast, we'd love it if you wanted to check us out on Patreon, but also no pressure. We know some can, some can't, some want to, some don't. What would help us also is if you just tell people about the podcast or rate it or review it, do the things to help spread the word. Joe. Karina. I have a final question for you on this podcast about the real and the unreal. Mm -hmm. What is it right now that feels equally real and unreal for you? Mm. A sense of my self a sense of my 
my human existence, my need to have a part of myself that that knows who I am, where I am, what's going on. There's something in that that has become so phenomenally real in the process of becoming a mom, but there is also a fundamental swimminess. Mm-hmm. 